0: Solving for insolvency in Social Security. Is Social Security really dying? That's what we'll talk about this week on Industry Focus Financials Edition. Welcome, everyone. I have John Maxfield on the phone. Uh, It's Gabby LaPera here as your host. Uh, So we're going to talk about Social Security this week. Um, I... I have been reading a lot about this on the Motley Fool website. It seems that we published quite a few articles on this, so I think this will be an interesting show. Um, So the the thing about Social Security that is on everyone's minds, I think, is whether or not Social Security is going to die anytime soon. Um, I know that I initially misunderstood what was going on. I thought that, um, well, let me back up. So Social Security is made up of two different funds, right, John?
1: That's exactly right, yeah you have you have one trust fund when we think of social security it's like two it's basically two big trust funds and then taxes that pay into those funds, and then those funds pay out the benefits, and then one fund is for retirement benefits and the other is for disability benefits
0: absolutely and so the social security system started during the Great Depression, um, but the system has gotten a lot bigger than it initially was, and the type of people in it are pretty different. Initially, the system was imagined for people who weren't living that much beyond retirement age, and that's just not the case anymore. People are living 20-plus years past retirement age now on, regularly, and some people live far beyond that. Um, and then on top of that, there's a lot more people in the system than there were initially, which is kind of what's driving the the depletion of the of the Social Security funds, right?
1: That's exactly right. So if you think about it, it's it's a they call it a pay as you go system. So you have a whole bunch of taxpayers that are paying a certain percentage of their income into the system every year. And I think right now it's 15.3% when you when you combine all the the all the employment taxes, it's 15.3%. And so you have people paying into these systems and then you have a certain number that are drawing out of it. So it, it, it's really the solvency or insolvency of the trust funds themselves is all just a function of that ratio between the number of people paying into it and the number of people drawing out of it.
0: Absolutely. And the ratio is falling right now. It's around 2.8 to 1, but it's expected to be around 2.1 to 1 by 2040. Um, the thing that I think a lot of people misunderstand about this, though, is when people say, oh, Social Security is dying. I think people imagine that Social Security is just going to go like kaput. It's just going to disappear in like a cloud in uh, like, I don't know, 20, 30 years. But that's really not necessarily the case. It just means that in 2033, they're going to have to reduce the benefit level to 79% of its current level. Um, right. But do you think that's actually going to happen? Like...
1: Well, so that, that figure you cited there is based on the Social Security. Every year, the Social Security has a, a committee that oversees it, and it's the, the, the Secretary of the Treasury is on that committee. All these other high-ranking government officials are on that committee. And they sit down and they make all these different projections about you know what's going to happen in the future based upon this ratio between the number of people paying into it and the number of people drawing out of it. And based upon their intermediate assumption, it, it, they're projecting that the trust funds themselves, which right now hold something like... $2.8 trillion in, in, in assets. So they, there's a lot of money in them right now. But because of, because of the baby boomer generation, and that, how that's going to tweak, to your point, that ratio between number of people that are paying in and the number of people that are drawing out of the system at any one point in time, because of that, the, they're projecting that there will be zero, that the, the trust funds themselves will be insolvent by something around 2033 and 2034. Now, the thing to keep in mind about these projections is that they're all based on so many different assumptions that we could get to 2033, 2034, and it could be totally different. This is just the best guess right now at the present. And let me give, just, give you just one uh, good example of what could change this. If the United States economy starts roaring again, right, and people are making a ton of money, well, the payroll taxes that are paying into this system are gonna be dramatically higher than they are right now. So that's just one thing. That could make those assumptions wrong. But that being said, it's important to recognize that holding all else equal right now, if no changes are made, these trust funds themselves will be insolvent. But even if they're insolvent, and this is a long way to answer your question, even if they're insolvent, there will still be people paying into the system. And then those funds themselves will be available to distribute. I think the estimate, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think the estimate is that you know, If the trust funds are in solvent just based upon the revenue that is coming in, that'll support roughly 75% of the benefits at that time. So there'll have to be something like a 25% uh, reduction in the size of each individual's benefits.
0: Right, which is fine if you're in your mid-20s and you have time to plan for that and get ready for retirement. But it's really problematic for um, people who are already on Social Security. Uh, the Social Security Administration says that Social Security should not be your sole source of income. But unfortunately, for about uh, 22% of married couples and 47% of unmarried people, um, they receive 90% or more of their income from Social Security. So it it can be problematic. But I think also the other thing to keep in mind about fixing Social Security is that this isn't the first time that the United States has faced this. Back in '83, Congress faced the same question. They messed with Social Security parameters, um, and we actually ended up with a huge surplus.
1: That's exactly right. So in 1983, literally, it was almost the exact same scenario where, but it was, right now, we're looking at 20 years out. In 1983, I mean, it was like the next year or something like that, where the Social Security Trust Funds were supposed to be insolvent. And so Congress set up um, a committee that was chaired, coincidentally, by Alan Greenspan. This was before he was the Federal Reserve Chairman. And they made a number of adjustments to the system. They changed the full retirement age. They tweaked how much was coming in, how much was going out and they tweaked uh, the cost of living adjustments, all these other things. And what that resulted in was this huge surplus in these trust funds, because that went from basically zero a year, or zero at the time that these, that these changes were made, to $2.8 trillion today. The point being that, number one, politicians will generally kick the can, at least in this particular instance, they, they kick the can down the road to the very last instant, last time we came up to this problem. And the second thing is that once they did address it, they address it in a way that they made sure that it was solvent for many, many more decades.
0: Right. I mean, it's not in Congress's best interest not to fix Social Security. Like, if you look at voting demographics, those are the people that are putting them in Congress. So they're, they're going to do their best to, to fix everything before it completely implodes. Um, so the question now becomes, right, what are our options to reform Social Security so that it will continue to pay out benefits at the current level? Right. There's two fundamental philosophies. You can either raise more revenue or cut benefits.
1: Right. And so when, when you dig into that, raising the revenue, and, and, and this, is just, this is just how math works, right? I mean, like, if you have too much going out relative to what's going in, you either need to re- decrease what's going out or you need to increase what's going in. And so when you talk about revenue, there's really two ways that you can do it. The first is that you can just simply right, raise the payroll tax, right? And I, I, again, like I think the combined payroll taxes right now are 15.3%, so you can increase that to, say, 18%. Now, that is also not a very popular solution, right? Um, but if you look back at the history of Social Security, I think the very first year when it started out, the payroll tax was something like one percent, and so they've increased it consistently uh, over the decades since then. And I think the last time that they increased it was in 1990, and that was I think on the tail end of all those changes that Greenspan's committee.
0: So 25 uh, committee years made. ago, um, things have changed quite a bit in the last That's 25 right. years. I don't. I'm kind of shocked that this hasn't too. But it, yeah, I mean enough. that was
1: the before ace and base, <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, Ace of Base seems like a long time ago now.
0: Oh man, um, okay. so, <laughs> I don't know if you know
1: Ace of Base, Gabby, but they were pretty—they were pretty legit in the nineteen ninety I do
0: remember. Um, that was—that was my middle school right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, there but so the other—the other option, right, is to raise the maximum taxable earning. So right now, anything above one hundred and eighteen thousand five hundred dollars is not subject to payroll tax. So you just don't have to pay payroll tax on that, um, and. That is actually one of the more popular options, according to a Washington Post online poll. I mean, take that for what it's worth. Um, and the, not, the thing to think about when you think about um, raising the maximum taxable income or earning um, is that the median income in the United States right now, or in 2013 anyway, was $51,399. So it's not like, like suddenly 75% of the country is going to get taxed a whole lot more. It's, it's a lot fewer people than that.
1: Right, and that's a good thing from the perspective of that would decrease the additional burden. But it's a bad thing because the question is is whether or not doing that alone, because it would impact so few people on a proportional basis, whether that would be enough. And I don't know the answer to that question. It would not be uh, enough, according
0: to projections. Um, I believe that it is, I don't know, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think it's something like it reduces the shortfall by about 75%.
1: Right. Right. So there it, it and that seems to be a, a a relatively fair solution. Um but the question is are they going to have to couple that with some other things and, and to your point it sounds that like they would have to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and I I don't think that you can look at fixing social security as like oh we're going to just raise a ton more revenue like t- cuts are probably going to have to happen, which leads us into the next way of fixing social security, which is a way that no one really wants to think about, which is cutting expenditures right
1: right and, and and there's really there's kind of two principal ways that you can do this and you know now that we're in political season i think the candidates are talking a lot about these things but one way is that you can do a means tested thing. so let's say you're in your 70s and you're still pulling in two hundred thousand dollars in income or two fifty thousand dollars in income well in that case do you really need social security do those individuals how 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 much would it hurt them if you took their benefits away and gave it to people who actually need them. So that's one way, is through means testing. And then the other way is that you could just raise the full retirement age, right? Right now, the full retirement age is 66 and some months. You could raise that up to, say, 68. And that, that actually makes sense, right? When you consider that, and this is a point you made at the very beginning of the episode, that our life, our, our life expectancies are, are increasing. So if you increase your full retirement age, that decreases the expenditures because then fewer people will have to wait longer before they start drawing from the system.
0: Right. And I just want to take a moment to explain what full retirement age is to our listeners. So most people, you can, you can claim Social Security at 62, but you're not going to receive the full amount of your benefit until your full retirement age. And that varies depending on the year in which you were born. So this is something that's already started. But they could be much more aggressive about where the full retirement age is.
1: Right. And, and so if you think about it, you have an a eight-year window to take Social Security benefits between 62 and 70. And 66 is the point at which you receive your full primary insurance amount. So that's the amount that you're entitled to based upon your work history. But if you take it early, then you get reductions each year in the size of your monthly benefits for how, long, how, how early you take them. But if you wait longer, this is something we talked about before the show, if you wait longer, you get 8% more in monthly benefits for every year that you wait up until the age of 70.
0: Right. So deciding when you want to retire might play into people's um, decisions about their retirement planning, right? So like you could take Social Security as early as possible, which is 62, or you could put it off until 70, <laughs> receive more. Um, when would you break even on that? Like, if you, because I mean, if you wait until you're 70 and you die at 72, <laughs> yeah,
1: that would be you would not maximize what you're getting from the Social Security system. We should probably I should probably shouldn't be laughing because that's not actually funny because you are talking about death. But, um, but, but the point you're making is very valid. Um, if you take, so let's compare if you take it at the earliest possible moment, which is right when you turn 62, and 62, by the way, is the most prevalent age that people take Social Security benefits. So that's really an important one to look at. And then and let's compare that to if you're taking it at your full retirement age right now, which is 66. Well, your break-even analysis, if you're looking at how much in aggregate you're going to be taking from the Social Security, so if you add up all those different checks over, over the lifespan of the time that you'll be taking Social Security benefits, your, your break-even point for that will be at the age of 78. So that's between taking them at 62 and 66. So the question is, if you believe if if you're in a position where you don't need the benefits immediately to live, and if you believe that you are going to live significantly beyond the age of 78, in that instance, it's unquestionably in your favor to wait as long as possible before taking them. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that luxury um, of, of being able to wait. So a lot of people are just stuck in a situation where, where they are basically forced to take social security benefits as early as possible,
0: which is why I want to emphasize again to our younger listeners um, that if you have the opportunity, which you do right now while you're young, to invest and not have to rely on Social Security, you should.
1: Yeah. Um, and here's the other thing about to yo- to younger viewers, you know, Social Security is going to be there, right, when you when you retire. I mean, all, I mean all. I think that's probably a safe assumption, because if if politicians get rid of Social Security, those politicians probably aren't going to have a job come the next election, right? But the the amount that Social Security supplements, and that's what Social Security was designed for, to supplement your income, not to provide all of your retirement income, you will not be living a very good life in your retirement years, so the earlier you can stock stock money away And let the law invest it and let the law of compounding returns take effect and work on that, you will really be doing yourself an enormous favor.
0: Absolutely. Um, Part of the reason that Social Security is designed the way it is is because it was designed with the pension system in mind, which is pretty much gone now. So you have to kind of make your own pension there, kids. Um, Right. Yeah. So if you're young, take away, try and invest now. If you're older, Really think about when you want to start taking your Social Security benefits, maybe look at some actuarial tables, because I know that once you live past a certain age, you're much more likely to reach another certain age. Um, If your finances allow it, then maybe wait. And don't worry about Social Security dying. Relax. It's probably not going to happen anytime soon.